there, this is Brian the Lanceman, and you've tuned in to this session of the Altitude Sessions podcast. You know, today we're going to do just a short discussion around really leadership and how to lead over dinner. Yeah, hey, that sounds kind of like a fun thing to talk about, but we'll dig into it a little bit more talking about the legendary Spurs coach, Greg Popovich, in an article that's come out recently on really his philosophy around this, and we'll dig into, you know, three key lessons or takeaways from this, so kind of dig into what that all means for you as an individual out there in the health economy. So stick with us. Let's get after this. Welcome again to the Altitude Sessions Podcast. All right. Well, hey, guess what? We have actually reached a a milestone with uh, the number of downloads on this particular podcast, the Altitude Sessions Podcast. And uh, we committed internally as an organization that when we got to that number, we would start to upgrade even some of the, the equipment and the capabilities that we have uh, with, the, with producing, you know, higher quality shows and such going forward. So, you know, we're stepping forward into that. You know, we've upgraded some of the things that we do that allow us to really drive this, this uh, show and, and to create something that's of high quality, that's worthy of your time as you're sitting in your car or working out or however it is that you listen to this this uh, particular podcast. But we appreciate all the support that you provided to us. I am actually on the road. I've been part, I've actually been on the road for two weeks straight. So we'll be heading back to Jackson Hole tomorrow and uh, look forward to, to getting back. But it's been quite a crazy series of discussions and just activity out here on the road uh, post our, our Atlanta session. So I thought the Last podcast that was done that uh, Neil Sofian was one of the guests on that, that fan used from our organization helped lead a Q&A on. I thought that was, was a fabulous discussion and really appreciated the opportunity to take a few days off and kind of rest and recharge after Atlanta, knowing that this, this two-week road trip was upon us. So given this, you know, we do have now, you know, kind of a newer approach. We have the ability with this podcast capability to take it on the road. So it's a completely mobile studio that will allow us to get out and interact with some of the folks that we work with on a day in and day out basis and get their opinions. So we can take the studio more mobile when we want. And, you know, with that being said, you know, we are in the middle of a large cavernous room right now. I can't guarantee that things won't ring or beep or whatever as we do this particular show, but this is now life a little bit more out on the road. So, you know, really great to have this capability. It's great to be able to take you know, the thinking to you and actually have some of you bring your thinking to this uh, listenership because of how we're able to uh, take this equipment with us now. So a uh, great milestone. We really appreciate all the early support, you know, through the first few episodes. And, you know, it's uh, it's really been really kind of awesome to be able to connect with you guys this this way. So appreciate that, that support and the confidence you put in some of the things that we're talking about. You know, a key to us for this this show is just to try to keep it simple. We've got a pretty good back half of the year slate of content that's that's already been designed and is on the uh, calendar. But, you know, for this particular show, we want to keep it kind of short and simple. Uh, I know this is a pretty heavy vacation week for a lot of folks that are uh, in the industry. So, uh, you know, we want to be mindful of that as well and, and, you know, really use the time as best as possible. But, you know, I was really drawn to an, an article that, that's been written in a number of places, but I think probably the longest and, and most detailed article was written in ESPN a couple of weeks ago on what's going on with uh, Greg Popovich and kind of this, this mysterious culture that he has around 
team dinners and his ability and his love for wine and how he's used that love for wine and maybe even an understanding of, of great wine that may even uh, eclipse his understanding of coaching the game of basketball, which would be hard to believe. You know, but he, he uses this love of wine, he uses this love of team, this love of community to, to build and continue to maintain and accelerate forward a culture of basketball, a culture of team, a culture of togetherness, a, a culture that allows you to overcome obstacles along the way. He, he has this, this approach that allows for him to build something that, you know, as is quoted in the article by ESPN, really still remains the envy of a lot of the teams throughout the NBA. And, you know, I read it and I said, gosh, that would be a great inclusion into the lineup of things that we talk about because, you know, we kind of oscillate back and forth between leadership advice and how to work with your team, how to, how to take care of yourself a little bit better. So on the personal side, and then we, we go from there and we, we talk a heck of a lot more about industry trends and the things that are relevant. And we bring in thought leaders through this, this particular podcast. And, you know, I really wanted to, to kind of jump back into this, this leadership side and to talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the essence of team, the essence of building the right culture and your role as a key leader in your organization and driving that. And I know you know that, but I think there are always stories like this that pop up that just serve as, as markers to say, gosh, is what we're doing, is it relevant? Or are there things that we can learn about from folks like Coach Popovich that can be applied as, as leadership lessons to our organization? Because I know many of you have you know, you have photos of John Wooden in your office, you have signed autographs of Nolan Ryan and, and other things that, that, you know, there are, there are these correlations for some of you that, that bring in some of the legends in sports and their work ethics and the, the going beyond the work ethic, going into their ability to build team, their ability to pull more out of people than people thought they could give and how they set up these organizations to, to do that. I mean, you look at, you know, the great Nolan Ryan, he had a, a heck of a run, you know, here in uh, you know places like Texas, where you know he was uh, you know part of the the leadership organization for the Texas Rangers, and they went to the World Series a couple times, and and had uh, really at one point just a, just an out away from beating the St. Louis Cardinals, and built a heck of a winning organizational culture during his time there. And then you look at now what he's done is is part of you know getting the. Houston Astros on track and, and now groups that's come in, you know, after that to continue to keep that culture going. You know, the Houston Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. So, you know, there are these these correlated sports leadership metaphors and, and learning lessons that you can use as you think about how to drive your team forward. And, you know, I think this this article in ESPN, there, there's, a, there's three things that I'm going to draw out of this as part of this pod, podcast today and try to leave it short and sweet. And we'll, um, you, you know, we'll try to jump into that a bit, but the thing that, that really stuck out to me about this article, it starts with a 29-year-old general manager and, and basically the manager of the wine uh, with this particular Italian restaurant in Sacramento. He becomes, you know, in the first few paragraphs, in my mind, really the focus and in some ways the hero of the story for me, because it is a person, his name is Jeremy Threat, and Jeremy knew that during a game in Sacramento that the Spurs and Coach Popovich would be coming in after as part of his approach for, for team and camaraderie and, and, you know, talking about the things that went well or didn't go well in that particular game, but doing it together as a group and doing it over dinner. And, you know, key and, and the big focal point to all this is 
for Popovich has always been around great wine. And you talk about being ready for your moment and being ready to step up and, and achieve in the moment. You know, this, this general manager at 29 years old, you know, he recalled reading in the past a Wine Spectator article that listed a number of the favorite wines that, that Pop, that he loved. And he went back and referenced that article, knowing that Pop was on the way and knowing that this dinner was coming and had been scheduled. And he called a friend of his that had a very deep wine cellar with a number of these wines contained within it. And he went out and he bought 120 bottles at somewhere around a value of 50 grand, the article states. And when Popovich arrives, you know, for this team dinner and he sees the wine list that had been curated, you know, he's stunned. And he tells the waiter, he says, you know, I, I got to talk to the individual that, that basically put this list together. And he said, you know, were you, you know, when he gets time with Jeremy, he said, were you reading my mind? You know, what, what gives here? And, you know, Jeremy said, you know, I, I have read this wine spectator article. I got a feel for what you like. I went the extra mile and I connected with a friend who owns a deep wine cellar. I brought that wine in and, you know, Popovich is blown away. Now, now coach pop has a, a reputation of being a very generous individual in these restaurant circles. He takes care of the folks that run these environments for him because he finds that this, this sense of family and collectiveness and gathering together and having discussions about where the team is and where it's going over a great meal is, is really important to the culture that he wants to build as part of that basketball operation. And the folks that, that are the actors that orchestrate this, this experience for him are, are key players. And they're very important to him as, as, you know, the operator of this experience to make sure that things are delivered. And in this case, it was very clearly a case of going above and beyond. And, you know, Popovich is blown away in such a way that he orders 10 bottles of this pretty expensive stuff and, you know, becomes the wine sommelier around the room and talking about the various stories of the wine and pouring it and, you know, driving that collectiveness amongst the team for dinner. And then we get to the end of the, of the evening and it's time, it's closing time in the restaurant. Lo and behold, Pops buys another 10 bottles. And it, it was at that moment where, you know, a few days later, as the article continues to go down, it just says, you know, the ownership group of this particular Italian restaurant in Sacramento, you know, calls and says, man, we noticed that, you sold, you know, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of wine right at closing time. You know, what gives? Is this a mistake? And the story gets told, and the legend grows, and you know, it ends up, you know, as this things drive forward in, you know, Jeremy's career. You know, the next stage is that as that legend grows, the community in Sacramento starts to want to come into the restaurant, and they want to experience Pop's wine list. So it drives up restaurant traffic, and now all of a sudden we're starting to see revenue growth for the for the restaurant itself. And when that happens, the advancement of Jeremy's career starts to take him to a point where, you know, now he's he's advanced to where he works at Thomas Keller's Restaurant Group, which is a pretty darn good place to be. So, yeah, it's it's just it's an interesting story about, like I said, going above and beyond, knowing intimately the people that are coming and particularly the key buyer in this case, it's coming and wanting to have a personal moment with that person, having a, a custom moment that says I did the extra three things that it would take 
to stand out over all the other things that you may have had options or opportunities to engage with. And you could have had dinner at any other restaurant and you likely have dinners at these Italian restaurants and gastro restaurants and other things all over the country with your team. I wanted to be memorable and to be memorable, I went the extra mile and not only did it win in that moment with coach pop, it actually won in that moment for being memorable for the community and that restaurant and its approach because of pop and his legendary approach to wine. And then it became a memorable and career advancing moment for Jeremy himself is he's now moved up and works in, you know, some pretty significant restaurant group. So there's questions that you can start to ask. And the key one is, if you're on the revenue side of the business, and if you're responsible for P&L growth, when's the last time you've looked at a key target and you said, gosh, how do I go the extra mile? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but that's that's a key question. And that's a learning lesson from this. And in this case, you know, Pop has a, a legendary view on wine that goes back because it just correlates with his upbringing. You know, in the 1970s, he was in Napa Valley when Napa was starting to compete with some of the big powerhouses in global wine, you know, some of the other regions, the Francis and others. That's when Napa was up and coming. And he, he lived there and he was part of that in the early stages of his career. And he came up with Napa Valley and became uh, in, enchanted with wine and it became a big part of who he is. And it still translates over into what they're doing as as an organizational culture at the San Antonio Spurs. So the stories in this particular article keep going down, and it's a relatively long article. I don't want to quote the whole thing. I think you should go out and find it on the internet and read it. But another story was how they were in the finals in 2013 in Miami. It's game six. They have a chance to clinch. In advance of this, Popovich has already you know, been proactive and he's set up and arranged for a celebratory dinner at a restaurant in Miami when they clinch. Well, if you remember that series in 2013, what ends up happening is that the Spurs lose that game and there's not to be a celebration because there's a game seven still in front of everyone. So what does Popovich do? What would you do? Would you say, well, crap, we can't have this celebration. Let's shut this thing down and get our minds right. Let's get focused on game seven and let's head back and start thinking about we're going to win this thing and win the series. Well, that's not what Popovich did. Again, because family, culture, all this stuff's really important to him. He races forward and says, you know, it's basketball is what it is. There's still parts of life and we're a family. And he actually quotes, quote in the article, family, the family is important. So he races forward at the conclusion of the game, he gets to the restaurant before, and it's no longer in a celebration or celebratory setup at this point. They rearrange the room. They rearrange it in a way that actually demonstrates the importance of family and demonstrates the importance of resuscitation and rejuvenation and still rejoicing and being the moment where they are. And he's there, and, you know, the it talks a lot about how throughout the course of the evening he's there patting players on the back he's you know doing the light shoulder massage stuff with some of his players and just there to greet every one of those players and he gets there first and he has a glass of wine he's ready to go he gets there first to greet his team after a heartbreaking devastating loss on a night when everyone thought they were going to clinch and there's people in that room to this day that are in this article saying that was an example of the exceptional leadership that's associated with that organization because it's driven by coach pop so there's questions that we'll ask about that here in a minute in the, in the, the three lessons 
if you will, that, that we want to drive forward. But you, when you look at definitions of things like culture, there's all sorts of things. There's a scientific de- definition of culture and a Petri dish and, and other things. But the, the one that applies here, you know, when we talk about culture and how we build a great culture, a culture among our team, a culture among our organization, and so on and so forth, it's the attitudes and behavioral characteristics of a group. Most simply defined, that's what it is. And as a leader, you may not always be able to control the direct work output and the direct outcome of some of the folks that are one or two or three or four levels down from where you are in your position, but you can damn sure control the attitudes and the behavioral characteristics of how you want that group that reports to you how it's going to operate. So I think that this is, you know, an interesting uh, article. It's, it's very, it really hit me pretty good and, and just wanting to think through how we could, you know, from M4 side, r- resonate and, and really, you know, how that resonated with us and then how we can take how it resonated with us and create a, you know, two or three walkaway points that would be relevant for you. And it also hits me hard because we talk an awful lot about within our, our strategy group format, how important that community is, that community of executives. And there's questions that come up sometimes when that group gets together, say, hey, we get together, we have a great time, we network. Then the question becomes, as a community, what, what are the next steps and how do we take this thing further? And, you know, those are questions and, and it's a kind of a question and answer thing and an engaging thing that we want to do with those of you who are tighter in our community that do the, the formulate work with us and other things. We want to ask those questions. We want to work through it. I mean, I think we've got some, some pretty good approaches and answers to, to those questions. And I think we've got some very good successes that have happened over the years because of the way this community has come together. But what's interesting, when you kind of pair it all back to us, you know, when you look at our, our formula gathering, it's coming up in Jackson Hole, October 14 to 16, which has, you know, probably one or two podcast cycles left in the recruiting cycle before that thing's closed down. So by the time you listen to this one or the next one, you know, we're probably going to be close to being where we need to be for that particular group. Uh, and in the design of Formulate, because of its focus on community, the design is there to where we have networking dinners that are included in that group for a reason. Because of the community that's built around a meal. So let's jump into some of these, these three lessons or takeaways that I think we can pull from all of this. The first is, again, and I asked this question a, a few minutes ago, when you want to get something done and you want to stand out in a world where it's really competitive and there are people vying to drive revenue and sell solutions that are competing with you or just maybe even competing for mind share and time with some of the core executives that you want to get in front of that run P&Ls that could change your life in a way where it could be very creative like it was for Jeremy uh, when he had his moment with Pop. When's the last time you went the extra mile? When's the last time you dug in and you did a little bit of extra research and actually thought through what that extra mile moment might be, the way you stand out, the way you move beyond the email clutter and the traffic and the lost voicemails and other things that, that go to these, these P&L leaders. I remember my time in the blue system, I, I probably got somewhere in the ballpark of 20 to 30, 35 solicitations a week. So in a moment where I might be able to engage with one, how are you going to be that one? What is it you're going to do that you know about that particular P&L executive that's going to stand out in a way that they want to engage? It's one thing to have a deep relation with someone. That's, that's not what I'm talking about because in this case, Pop didn't know Jeremy from Adam before he arrived at that, that 
restaurant. Jeremy found a moment in time to become special to Pop because he went the extra mile. What are you doing in these cases where you're trying to grow your pipeline, you're trying to grow the opportunity for you to connect with someone that creates a partnership that may transform your business? How do you stand out from the 30, 35, 40 people that are trying to do the same thing? 100 people, who knows? Pick a number. So that's that's a lesson. The, The first lesson is find a way to stand out. Find a way to be different. I'll tell you, in the world that I work in, you know, it is, it is now Friday afternoon right now, and I'm recording this podcast, and after I'm done with this, I will pick up the phone, and I will start leaving messages to some of the P&L folks that I want to be involved with, or I'll write handwritten notes, or I will do some research on, on some of the folks that we want to engage with in a, in a special and, and tighter way. And I do it on Friday afternoons because what I found over the years is the typical person that's a revenue hunter, by about 1 o'clock on Friday afternoons, they don't work anymore. So I look at that window from one to four or five as an opportunity for me to stand out because the other thing that's unique about it is that typically if you're a P&L leader, your weekend can be hellish and you can have 30, 40, 50 meetings that you've been in. But by the time they get to Friday afternoon, they're ready to kind of start dwindling down. And it's when they're catching up and making sure they're clearing their desk so that they you know, kind of have their clean desk as they move into Monday. That may be the opportunity where you can engage with these people. It may be the time when a phone call is picked up and received and you can have a chat. It may be the time when, you know, a well-crafted, personalized, go the extra mile email is actually picked up and read. Or it may be something where you leave a voicemail that these individuals think about it over the weekend and they're ready to engage with you next week because you stood out and you called them at a time when very few people do. So there's things about that that I think stand out. And those are simple things. Those aren't even, that's nowhere close to the go the extra mile with Jeremy. There's been stories, you know, with, with my as an example, my dad's in the plastics industry, and he's, he's had people that, that do revenue jobs, in, you know, trying to sell little pellets that end up making, uh, you know, plastic cups and other things. And, and, you know, when you think about that, and you think about all the people who are trying to sell these resins and materials, there have been stories of people that, you know, had to rent a, a box truck and actually delivered the material and drove 16 hours through the night to deliver material so that it would be there in the hopper the next morning so that that plant wouldn't shut down because they didn't have the material there because of a shipping delay or a snafu that may have happened at back at the home office uh, because it didn't get done in time. It's that kind of stuff when you go the extra mile and you're willing to drive through the night and deliver the resin or deliver the material to keep the trains running on time. That builds the trust, that deepens the relationship, that makes you stand out in such a way that you win on the individual level with those folks but you also win in the bigger picture because you're doing the things in your career that help you stand out against the folks not willing to go the extra mile. So lesson one, go the extra mile. Two, if you're on the revenue side, I've always said this, you know you've started to build a deep relationship if you find yourself having dinner with the individual you want to have a conversation with. I'm not talking about breakfast. I'm not talking about lunch. I'm talking about dinner. And I'm talking about the dinners that that pop puts together. It's the experiences. Because if you find an overscheduled person that typically has issues with family time and other things because they're always working or, you know, trying to always find that work-life balance and getting to kids, youth athletics and uh, going to college programs and and all the things that the core executives try to do in their personal lives, if you can carve out enough attention in a relationship that's deep enough or something that 
is at least in their mind is intriguing enough for them to say, yeah, let's go do dinner. You've actually carved out a moment in time where these folks are willing to give up a little bit of that personal time that's already probably hard and, and out of balance a bit to spend time with you. So the key in building these relationships, you know, lesson two, angle for building a relationship is deep enough that someone wants to actually spend two, two and a half, three hours with you over dinner. Maybe talking about wine, maybe talking about the last trip over to Europe, maybe talking about the trip to Waco, Texas. I don't know, but talking about it and talking about kids and family and other things, because it's when you get to that point, you can start to say, gosh, on the barometer of standing out and trust, I'm starting to get somewhere. If it's breakfast or it's lunch, you're not quite there yet. And I just, I've always felt that if you're on the revenue side and you're trying to build something, or if you're trying to build a new partnership for your organization, it's dinner where it always kind of plays out. It's where it matters. And then the last thing, the third lesson is on the team front and managing your team and managing the culture around your team and everything else. Sometimes when there's failure, when there's failure, go find a way to get the group together and still celebrate each other. Because it's easy, it's really easy when the organization's winning and it, all it does is win, 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 win. All we do is win, 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 no matter what, right? It's a song that's out there that says that. But we don't always win. And I've always found that in the ability to build a really strong culture, it's also knowing that times when you're not going to win, at times of challenge, that you still feel the ability and you're compelled to get your team together and spend time with one another and recount why things didn't go well and how we can do it better going forward just to rejuvenate, to refocus, to just reframe the issues together. And to know that even in the days when things are tougher and there's storm clouds and it's all around you, that you're still there together. And as a group, together you'll figure it out. And I, I think that you look at this article with Pop and the fact that, you know, his organization, they just lost game six and they thought they were going to win the series. They honestly they didn't win game seven that year in 2013. They actually lost to the Heat in that series. But you know what? They turned around the next year and they won it in five because, you know, as the article states, even, you know, fine wines sometimes take, have to take root and take a little, little while for the benefits and the aging of that process to come together. But in these culture-defining moments of times of loss, if you can still get your group together and, and even find ways to look at ways to, to build the togetherness and the family and the way that you want to, this, this collective group of people to operate, because you're the leader of that, find moments at times when things aren't going well to get people together, to get your team together, to still move them forward and to say, hey, it's still, at the end of the day, we're a family and we're going to figure all this stuff out and we're still going forward. And we're going to go forward and there's a time, whether it's a day from now, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, there's a time when we're going to get to the outcome that we want. And that's good stuff. So those are the three things. Go the extra mile. Get to dinner. And as a team, sometimes, you know, don't just focus on getting together to celebrate wins. Find other ways to get together, even when things aren't going well. So, you know, as part of the new podcast equipment and everything else, you know, we can start to roll in some sound effects. I don't want to kill you with it this week, but, you know, we'll uh, have a little fun with some of this now. And, you know, a little, little drum roll there and everything else. And <laughs> 
that's we're getting perilously into or close to the end of this podcast. And I got to tell you, you know, here I am saying we're going to go shorter and gosh, 28 minutes, typical me. But anyway, hey, really appreciate you coming and sticking with us for the Altitude Session podcast. It's been amazing to see the growth of this thing and the support that some of you that are just trying to figure out who we are at Import Innovation and just using this as a, as a vessel to get there. And the folks that are much closer to us that are part of the Formulate community and the folks that are really close to us that probably get sick of us at a time from an advisory perspective, we appreciate all of you. We appreciate the support that you bring to us with this particular podcast and all of the other areas and avenues of our business. we got a really, really exciting 2020 coming together. It's been a lot of great discussions over these last couple of weeks on the road that I'm not going to get into here, but uh, you'll be hearing from us and some of you will be hearing from us personally pretty, pretty quickly on some of these things. But I mean, it's, it's finding ways to partner to help our core companies, our core partners, you know, really figure out where things are going and help them grow. I mean, we've always done that, but I feel like we're, we're getting to the point where we're going to take this to the next level. Uh, despite all the uncertainties and the other things that are going in healthcare, you know, just kind of putting our heads down, getting through our game six, getting through our game seven and figuring out how to win the series next year. That may be what we do with some of you, but it's exciting times. And I am really excited that we're able to bring this podcast solution on the road a little bit more going forward. But this is Brian Melanson. I will see you guys in a couple weeks. And until then, enjoy the remainder of your summer vacations and other things. And we look forward to getting back to work with you when you're rested and rejuvenated. And let's go get it. Thanks very much.